Welcome to Mirapaw Taste Buds. We are your buds, Emily and Melissa. And this is a podcast about food, our daily lives, and how they intersect. This week, we have something special for you. It's something we've been working towards for a little while and are super excited to share with you, and it's actually an interview. Um, however, our sound is not the best, so please bear with us as we learn some new skills and become audio engineers overnight. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to Mirabot Taste Buds. This week we have a special interview with someone who's very close to us and we wanted to let her introduce herself, but we're talking about something that is really close to our family and it's something that we've done every year that I can remember and we'll probably continue on into the future. Long, long after. Long after. <laughs> so I'll let you take it away. Um, good morning. My name is Sherry Jones, and I am Emily and Melissa Jones's mother. Yes. Um, so uh, I'm a bilingual teacher. I teach English as a second language. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for joining us today. We're excited to talk to you about this. Today we're talking about pierogies. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into the specifics of pierogi making, what are some of your favorite things to cook? We were talking about this and we we're like, I don't even know if we know the answer, if we know the answer, which <laughs> we feel like we should know. <laughs> Our family has always been, we're um, big entertainers. And I guess that the things that are the favorites for me to cook are probably those traditional dishes that we've made through the years um, when entertaining. So obviously pierogi is a big part of our Christmas celebrations. Um, but I love making like chicken paprikash, which comes from um, my dad, Papa's side of the family, the Hungarian side mm -hmm. of the family. And we don't have that very often. We have it for special occasions. Mm -hmm. So I like making that. And, um, and then generally, probably cooking like during the week there's I'm I have I think lost that little passion for coming up with special things during the week yeah. when we're entertaining and making like some yummy fish dish or mm -hmm. some kind of special food for to entertain family and friends yeah definitely I feel that I can agree with that a lot <laughs> yeah you definitely got that bone in the family I think the love to entertain yeah it's fun to like just plan a menu and to like to try a new recipe or like go to those like staple ones that you always make that you know are a hit. So, is those some of your like your favorite things to eat? Chicken paprikash, or do you have like a favorite food? Or chicken paprikash is definitely one of my favorite foods. It's very very rich, so it's not something that you should eat all the time. Yeah. Um, probably my two favorite foods. I really love 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 salmon. And I love chocolate. I don't know which one I like better, salmon. Yeah. Uh, so they're probably my favorite foods. And of course, kidagi is always going to be up there on the list. And, you know, nalaschiki, um, nalaschiki, pirogi, guanqui. What is nalaschiki? I always confuse them, I feel like. And uh, for Papa on the Hungarian side, they call it palachin. And Hungarians use thin crepe-like pancakes. Yes, we were talking about this. They use them almost like 
like tortillas in Mexican food. They're, they're in everything. You put everything inside of pancake. You can put roast beef inside of a pancake. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> yeah. So these, it's very, very thin um, crepe pancakes with what they called farmer's cheese. I'm not really sure, but yes. it's kind of like a, like a sweet cheese with raisins and it's kind mm -hmm. of like a pancake lasagna with this sweet cheese mm -hmm. and raisins. And then you top the whole thing with custard and bake it in the oven. And yeah, we haven't had that in so long. And this morning when we were doing some research for the pierogi thing, they were talking about cork cheese and it was like farmer's cheese. And I was like, I think that's, I think I've had that, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, you've had it. And it's been a long time since, mm -hmm. since I've made it. And in fact, I was just, I found, I was looking through one of Mugger's old cookbooks from like the 1950s and there <laughs> um, would be your great grandmother's, um, Papa's mom's recipe for- mm -hmm. Polichin and Polichin in Polish is now cheeky. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I might need to get that. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously you're big on like entertaining at home, but is there a really great experience that you've had dining out somewhere? Hmm. Like a favorite restaurant? Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Obviously we we like to um, be with family and friends. So sure, there's been some great um, restaurants. I really like fish. I really like seafood. So, um, and even, you know, with a lot of our friends, it's like the go-to is the steakhouse. And I'm always the one who's ordering fish at the steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, you're supposed to have a steak. Um, but I guess, I mean, I don't know if I, uh, as far as steaks go, I mean, there's some pretty amazing places in Chicago. I think the best steak I ever had was Jean and Giorgetti's downtown. They do an aged beef, which I did some research on aged beef and I'm like, oh, wow, I, I wish I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> but it was delicious. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's some, uh, oh gosh, where would be a favorite seafood place? I don't know. I, I'm pretty easy to please. <laughs> <laughs> What's like the fanciest meal you've ever had? Hmm. Well, interesting. I mean, this is kind of back, goes back in the day, but probably one of the absolute best meals I ever had was on an airplane. What? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have only flown first class once in my life. And this was like back in the eighties and it was over the top, super, super fancy. And the oh. meal was like outrageous. It was, um, I think it was like a, a crown roast of pork with like spatzel and wow. it was, it was, yeah, it that's, was that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fly first class more often. I don't yeah. think I can do that um, any, anymore. Um, you know, your dad worked forever in the food service industry. So we had lots of opportunities to go to some pretty amazing restaurants in Chicago as part of um, his work. So, you know, ate at like Charlie Trotter's place a couple of mm. times in the nineties, which was, which was huge. Yeah. Big um, to do. One of my favorite places was a Thai restaurant called Arun. I don't know if that's mm. there. Um, but dad was, uh, planning on taking like a sales contingent over there. So they, we got to go in and they did like a special, like 
like trying to impress dad, like Ooh. here's, here's what we can do, like a, yeah, like a chef's tasting. Yeah. yeah. So that was, um, that was, that was super fun. Um, and then, you know, through dad's work with, um, with Gatorade and Pepsi and all the food service craft and ocean spray through the years, um, going to the Super Bowl and being like guests of the, of the NFL and, and having, um, you know, kind of special treats at the Four Seasons Hotel and at yeah. the NFL party. Those are kind of fond foodie memories for me. Definitely. Realizing I should have gotten in the food service industry, maybe. Yeah, that was Line and dime all to my clients. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Missing out. For real. What is your signature drink? Do you have a signature drink? Um, I'm a wino. <laughs> um, <laughs> I figured that'd be your answer. Yeah, we made money on that. <laughs> my signature drink is is probably wine, but um, I like a good cosmopolitan martini every now and then. <laughs> a little Grey Goose Cosmo. Yeah, totally. That's always a good winner. Do you feel like it's changed throughout your life or is it always kind of been like a Cosmo or wine for you? Yeah, pretty much. Or champagne, champagne, even like cheap champagne back in the day. Um, um, That's probably, uh, and I guess, I mean, you know, maybe like in the summertime, like a vodka lemonade or vodka soda. Always Um, good. Yeah. Something. Do you remember what your first drink was? Um, it was probably some kind of hideous wine. You know, like, <laughs> uh, it was probably like Annie Green Springs, you know, strawberry. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> is that like strawberry the Carlo Rossi of the day? I feel like, yeah. Strawberry Fields Forever was the name oh, of the wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was kind of a go-to back in the day. Um, and then there, like I said, probably some pretty hideous wines. MD twenty twenty spinata. People my age would know exactly what I'm talking about. I love it. Oh, God. <laughs> spinata. They don't name them like they. Used no, to they be. don't. <laughs> Strawberry fields forever. Great. <laughs> Amazing. How did you learn to cook? Um, pretty much, I think, like you guys did, um, side by side with my mom and my grandmother. Uh, when I was little. We lived in an apartment upstairs from great grandma and great grandpa. So we were downstairs at grandma and grandpa's house all the time. And um, I mean, literally like they would push a chair up to the counter and we were washing dishes and then, you know, kneading dough and stirring things um, pretty much as, as far back as I can remember. I mean, I think we were, Maybe I, that was before we moved to Palatine and we, we moved when I was five. Wow. So I have memories at three, four years old, literally. Yeah, the grandma's, grandma's yeah. Put them to work. Seriously, <laughs> start them young. Yeah, start them young, that's right. <laughs> Do you have a favorite memory in the kitchen? Oh gosh, uh, you know, there's so many and especially thinking back with great grandma. I mean, when we were little, it's like you're helping to make quote unquote, helping to make, <laughs> but, um, and, and I remember even with like my younger cousins, like Tracy, it's like, here, you're making pierogi and they would give you dough. And so even though that dough never, ever made it into anything that was eaten, um, <laughs> But just always, you know, like grandma with the rolling pin at the at the um, at the table, and then mugger. Oh my gosh, with her, she had 
egg roll making parties and all of her friends would come over and drink wine and make tons of egg rolls and um, the pierogi making parties and the cookie making parties. So um, back. yeah, egg roll making parties sound great. That sounds really fun. <laughs> Yeah, and Mugger, all of her friends, everybody kind of had a signature cookie. Mugger's cookie was the kolachki. Mrs. Catazone made the Italian ones with the little balls on them. Ooh. So everybody made cookies and then trading cookies. So, um, so that, was, that was always fun. Yeah, it's a good thing to do around the holidays, especially. Yeah, so, like a good way to get together. Absolutely. And now, I, now every year when we're making pierogies, those are my fondest memories. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, laughing and cooking and being together. It's, that's yeah. what it's all about. I agree. Definitely. Is there something that you've always wanted to learn how to cook? Hmm, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, I think that there's some things that I'm like, um, I really love this, but wow, it looks really labor intensive. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. Um, but I think... No, I can't really think of anything that um, if I think if it was something that that I wanted to try that we've at least tried. Maybe. Yeah, tried to do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> might not have been 100% successful. So maybe it's like, oh, yeah, I could use some more. I could use some more practice with that one. <laughs> <laughs> What's a food that you've always wondered how it's made? Is there any ones that you've been like, I don't even know what that is? <laughs> Um, I think a, a lot of the um, like Asian mm -hmm. kinds of things. Um, you guys have introduced me. I've always liked um, Indian food and going to Indian restaurants and really had no clue what I was eating or how to do it. So um, uh, have, have given me an education there. But, um, you know, Indian cooking, the a lot of the Thai foods it's like boy I don't even recognize some of these ingredients have never um, yeah. tried to do it myself so uh, yeah that might be something that I would like to learn how to do do you have like a biggest cooking fail that comes to mind <laughs> oh boy hmm. <laughs> these are always fun mm -hmm. yeah I've um I mean I've had a couple things where um you know, I was, we had the Christmas where I forgot to put sugar in <laughs> the sweet potato pie. And <laughs> the potatoes are pretty sweet anyway, but it definitely didn't taste like sweet potato pie. It was more like a sweet potato <laughs> in a crust. <laughs> um, so, and I think dad would probably call that an epic fail since he counts potato pies um so yeah that was and uh you know I mean just kind of silly things where you know uh maybe drinking a little too much wine when I'm cooking and forgetting the <laughs> ingredient um but uh generally generally things go pretty well generally things are pretty successful <laughs> and I have some great sous chefs you guys are amazing and good helpers in the kitchen so <laughs> I got I've got backup somebody's got my back <laughs> What's the weirdest or grossest thing you've eaten? Oh boy. Um, so my parents grew up, were born, I mean, Papa Schiller Park in the 30s was farm country. So he actually lived on a farm there. And they grew up during the depression where you did not waste anything. You ate 
everything, literally everything. So I've eaten some pretty um, unusual things that, um, yeah, uh, they were kind of big on like organ meats, like kidney Mm. stew. Um, Mm. They, Papa always loved like liver and onions. He ate um, brains, cattle, cow brains, scrambled with eggs. Scrambled with eggs? Oh, yeah, wow. I, guess, I guess that that I mean, that's the way he always ate them. I don't know how other people eat them, but he scrambled his brains with eggs. Um, so I've had that um, tripe and, um, you know, chitlins. Yeah, no. that side of the family. Um, that was that was that was a little bit rough. And I've had some unusual things. I had um, my my boyfriend in high school up in Wisconsin. I was at their house for Christmas and they had French fried squirrel and possum instead of turkey. Oh, (laughs) who are these people? And they they taste like chicken. Of course they do. And I've had and I've had rattlesnake and and it tastes like chicken. And I've had alligator and it tastes like chicken. (laughs) (laughs) The statement is true. Yeah. Holds true. No groundhog. Have you ever had groundhog? Never had groundhog, but I've had squirrel, possum, and raccoon, and they all taste like chicken. All right. (laughs) Is there something that you've never tried, but you wanted to? Or Um, would never want to eat? Yeah, either or on that one. Yeah. Um, I've tried a couple things that were pretty um, unpleasant for me. (laughs) I mean, I think it's their like acquired taste. Um, uh, again, I think a uh, friend was from Thailand and, um, I accidentally, everyone was raving about this fish dish and I went and had some of the fish and I was like poking it with my fork and I'm like, wow, this is, it's like a shell. And then I finally found the meat and it was really awful and my friend was like, he's like, oh no, you're not supposed to eat the brains. So fish brains. Oh um, my God. <laughs> and I know that um, when um, a friend of ours was um, in Asia, something there, uh, monkey brains was oh. like a delicacy. I never want to try monkey brains. I yeah, think I think that. I'm okay no. with that. Any, any sort of brains yeah. I'm not interested yeah. in. Yeah, the brains. <laughs> I didn't like brains and eggs. I didn't like the fish brain. So yeah, I'm gonna say brains. No yeah. brains. No, no, no organ meats of any kind. No liver. Can't stand liver. Kidney. Kidney and heart stew. Oh no, no, don't want to do that. Yeah. Head cheese. Yeah. Head cheese. Not quite sure what all that is. No. Uh, yeah, I don't really get that still either. It still no. freaks me out. Yeah. In the in the gelatinous weird block. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah. Papa loved that. I'm sure he did. <laughs> it's the profile (laughs) yeah it's the profile all right we have some what if scenarios so you're traveling how do you find where to eat ideally you would talk to a local you know maybe in in the cab or or whatever i think that at hotels and whatever they're probably steering you toward the more um 
you know, tried and true commercial, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You can find some good places like that too, but try and talk to the locals. And well, you guys know with our vacations, I mean, we kind of like to get off the beaten path and, and um, we've been really blessed with meeting some really nice people pretty much everywhere we've gone. We found, found a new friend and, and uh, follow their advice. Yeah. That's a good answer. How about you're on death row? What's going to be your last meal? Uh, probably chicken paprika. It's like, calories be damned. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> or salmon or chocolate. <laughs> awesome. That on the side. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we're uh, looking to talk about pierogi in this episode. So we thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about our specific family history regarding that. So what do you know about our family history with pierogi? Mm-hmm. Well, pierogi is the Polish side of it. Um, grandpa, my grandpa, your great grandpa was Ukrainian, but they grew up very close to each other. They both spoke Polish and Ukrainian. It's pedahe mm. in Ukrainian. Mm. Um, so, I mean, they've been, they've been here in this country, I want to say 1920, something like that. They were, grandpa was little when they came here. Mm. Um, and through the years, so for our family, the Christmas Eve is kind of the religious holiday and it's a day of fasting and you can't eat meat. So in our family, we've never made meat pierogi. I've had, I mean, I've had them in restaurants and um, had family friends that made the meat ones, but we never made meat pierogi. So the potato and cheese, grandma's recipe called for Velveeta cheese, which is a cheese food, not a real (laughs) cheese. Um, So we've tried to, um, our our pierogi, we've tried to use good cheeses. And I think that that's been a challenge, trying to find the exact kind that the cheese that's got the, the kind of sharpness, but at the same time is like creamy and blends well with the potatoes. Um, but we made, um, so the, the pierogi or the pedaha we've been making is, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a family tradition and handed down from my great grandparents and, um, and obviously brought over from Poland and the Ukraine. Now with Papa's side of the family, the, cause all of that Eastern, all of those Eastern European cultures, I think have some version of it mm-hmm. and the Hungarians, are the ones that um, ate the fruit ones. So um, great grandma and great grandpa Bonder never made fruit. We made uh, uh, sauerkraut and we made the um, potato and cheese. And then there's also a uh, mushroom. We have not made mushroom ones in a long time. Well, you, the kids didn't eat the mushroom ones. So yeah. they kind of left by the wayside. Mrs. Marianowski used to make the mushroom ones all the time. I would like to try and do that. I think so um, too. Yeah, yeah, we saw a recipe for one that are called like little ears and they kind of almost look like those little like popat raviolis that have mushrooms in them specifically. And I was like, oh, didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, mush- mushroom is the thing. And um, great grandma, 
my great grandma, your great great grandma, she made mushroom ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the fruit ones were for Papa. So we started making the fruit and years ago we did um, apple and we always did plum. And then some years we would do cherries because um, great grandma and great grandpa had a cherry tree in their yard. So we would, gotcha. but they were not the sweet cherries, the Bing cherries. They were like the sour pie cherries. Mm, that sounds kind of um, good. Yeah, it is really good. And especially when you get, I mean, fresh from your own tree, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Did great grandpa and great grandma meet in America? Yes. I don't think I realized that. I didn't think so. I, I thought they I came thought from they the old country. country. Yeah. I don't know why. I <laughs> well, they, they, they did, but they were very, very little. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. They were, they were children. I want to say great grandpa, maybe, maybe even earlier than the 20s. I think great grandpa was maybe five or six. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Auntie Lori would probably have all the details on that, or Aunt Dory. Somebody, somebody's got all the stuff. <laughs> I feel like you answered a lot of the questions in one. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Amazing. Do you remember ever like kind of deviating from those traditions when you were younger, when you were making them, or was it like kind of always those like staple ones that were always the consistent? We really did not deviate, and especially, yeah. I mean, my entire life, I think until. Mm-hmm last year at Nicole's for yeah. Christmas Eve, my entire life, I had the exact same Christmas dinner every <laughs> single year. So yeah, it did not deviate. And the recipes did not deviate. We uh, would, did the techniques change at all over those times? Um, yes and no. Great grandma, um, you've seen how we roll out. I mean, I've seen, I've seen, um, great grandma like with the with the kolachki I think we were talking about this mm-hmm. Mother created the the easy like thumbprint kolachki and great grandma back in the day used to roll everything out make the little um, squares and fold them in so that it's a much more like delicate kind of a pastry mm-hmm. and they're fancier looking yeah. um and um Shortcuts. yeah I think yeah. that I mean just I mean, obviously now we use a KitchenAid mixer, which I think is perfect for the dough with the dough um, hook on it. So years ago, that was, that was all elbow grease. I mean, yeah. Jeez, I and, and, and yeah. you know, depending at what, what time you start by the end of the night, you're tired. You're so sore. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> the dough, it's not consistent. From, from one batch to another, it's not consistent. So yeah. using some of that technology, I think has actually improved the consistency and the, and the quality of the end product. Yeah. Was she always rolling it out into like a sheet and like cutting out circles at all? Or was that always like more, we rolled them like each individually kind of after they're like cut into like little squares or like pieces. Yeah. Just, was she rolling it all? Um, I've seen her, I saw great grandma do it both ways where she would roll it out and we would take a glass and we would create like the little separate. Um, but to do that, you really have to have like a party of people who are filling them. Mm-hmm. Even I, I prefer the way that we do it by creating the little log and then rolling them out separately because I think the dough stays moister and easier to seal. Mm-hmm. Um, although we usually have a number of people who are there when you do it with the glass there, you can obviously control the size yeah. so they can be more uniform. Um, 
We were debating trying that again this year and seeing if that was maybe the way we should be going or like trying something different with that. Now that we do have so many hands. Yeah, stuffing. Because sometimes we're waiting for like the, the, yeah, the rolling. So it's like, maybe that is a better way if you have enough people on hand. If you can, yeah, that would be the trick. And then the other thing is, is um, with great grandma, I mean, we used to call them sinkers. They were really (laughs) good size pierogi. I mean, they were... They were, they were, they were hefty. You could have one, maybe two. Um, and with ours, there's kind of like a mix. It's like, oh, I'll take a little plum yeah, one and a chocolate sauerkraut one. So I'm trying so, to make traditional ones like my great grandmother. You're telling me what I mean, <laughs> big ones, all right. <laughs> so maybe um, like using a smaller glass, then you can actually make them, you know, they'd be more uniform in size and not so big. Yeah. yeah. Look like the store-bought ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally like the big ones, but. <laughs> All in, you know. Yeah, it's true. Then you only need one. <laughs> Is there anything you're looking forward to with the future of pierogi making in our family or? Oh, well, I've got a, I've got a granddaughter now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's huge. I think even next year, she's going to be yeah. quote, unquote, helping. She's going to have her little piece yeah. of dough and she's going to be playing with the dough and helping us cook. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I'm still on a quest to find like the perfect cheese combination because I've just have never been a hundred percent thrilled. I mean they're they're tasty. Yeah, the good they're good. Party and um, I think we should try maybe Guerrero. Yeah, um, totally. I feel like a combo of cheeses too could be the yeah, like new fun Fontini or something. Yeah. I don't know. Got to try and got to get the right combination of creamy, but we need that little bit of. Uh, like, like a stronger yeah that taste mm-hmm. yeah and, and seems like cheddar would be it but it's not or something about the texture or whatever not working out so i'm still on a a quest yeah it for the right kind of i mean velveta can't beat that you can't beat <laughs> this <one. laughs> all right well, i think that's all we had for you yeah. we appreciate you coming on and chatting with us Thank you. I was pretty nervous. I hope this turns out well. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. We had a very good discussion. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, girls. Missing your buds? Looking for a snack? Take a quick break from your day and tune in while we chew the fat and take a quick dive into the dishes or ingredients you can't stop Googling or already know and love. Every other week, we'll be serving up Small Bites, which are short format content that's easily digestible. Episodes are typically less than 20 minutes and give you the down low on history, how it's made, and ways to enjoy it. Subscribe to Mirepoix Taste Buds so you never miss a bite. And we're back, friends. Now we're going to really get cooking and dive into some of the history and a little bit more knowledge and background for you on the subject of pierogies. So they're basically dumplings that are made by wrapping unleavened dough around a savory or sweet filling, and then you cook them in boiling water, and then they're often pan-fried before serving. So typical fillings usually include potato, cheese, pork, sauerkraut, ground meat, mushrooms, or fruit. 
Savory pierogies are often served with a topping of sour cream, fried onions, or both. Sour cream is huge in our family. You can't have a pierogi without it. Yeah, sacrilege. Yep. Mm -hmm. The English word pierogi comes from the Polish word pierogi, which is the plural (laughs) form of pierogi. Which is a generic term for filled dumplings, which I never knew that pierogi was already the plural. Yeah. Mind boggled. Makes sense. Most yeah. things that ended in I like Goose, that are the plural geese, form. Yeah. yeah. One of those weird things where it's like similar, but yeah. It's similar, but not. An, don't add an S. Don't put pierogies. It's just pierogi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We were wrong at. Yeah. Mm, been, been messing that crazy. up our whole lives. <laughs> the origins of pierogies are pretty hazy, though. Like many other dumplings, it's kind of thought that they've originated in China and then became more widespread in Europe during the Middle Ages. Um, There's kind of two different beliefs. One is that it could have been popularized by Marco Polo's expeditions through the Silk Road, Mm -hmm. while others kind of theorize that in the 13th century, pierogi were brought by St. Hyacinth of Poland, who was a monk in a Kiev monastery and later became known as the patron saint of pierogi, which like... What a thing to be a painter. Yeah, saint it's of. amazing. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> but they believe that he brought pierogies from the Far East, being Asia, into what's today the Ukraine. And it really became a characteristic to Central and Eastern European uh, cuisines. There's many different varieties, as we've kind of mentioned, and a, ver- a variety of also like preparation methods, ingredients, fillings, all that kind of changed from the time it was invented until it crossed all these wonderful places. And there's also this Polish saying that, of course, I can't speak Polish, so I'm not going to try, but it basically... I just started trying to learn it on Duolingo, and whoo, it it is hard. (laughs) It's pretty hard. I'm not up to this level yet. (laughs) It's another one kind of like Hawaiian, I feel like, where there's like a lot Mm -hmm. of vowels or like extra letters well, and like weird accent yeah, marks. Yeah, those accent marks change how those things are said. So when yeah. I'm, I was looking at one word and it looked like it was the same, but there's a tiny little like tilde on the bottom of this A and that mm-hmm. makes the sound totally different. So my brain was just unable to process. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah. But this Polish saying roughly translates to St. Hyacinth and his pierogi. <laughs> and it's this expression of kind of surprise that's kind of the equivalent of like good grief or holy smokes, which I just love. I know. I'm going to try <laughs> to remember to start saying that instead. It's such a mouthful, though. <laughs> it is. It really is. I'd maybe cut the saint and just be Hyacinth and his pierogi. Yeah. <laughs> Why is pierogi so Italian? Yeah, so Italian. I don't know. Again, I can't speak Polish. Yeah, I just want to speak it. In some other accent that does not make sense. Anything that's like an exclamation of like surprise is always like a little bit Italian in my hi- my head though too. Yeah, you just know? hit it with that extra. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, legend kind of says that Saint Hyacinth brought them back to Kiev and was really captivated by their taste, which he had learned to really appreciate during his missionary travels in the 13th century. And it's crazy. This is like medieval times yeah. too to like be imagining this like new food sensation (laughs) sweeping the nation yeah love it (laughs) potatoes are really still unknown at europe during that time too which i think i always forget you know Mm -hmm. because it's so like ingrained in my mind about the potato famine yeah and irish culture and stuff that Mm -hmm. i forget that potatoes did not come to europe until very much later also when you say like 13th century my brain's like that's so long ago and like in the history and grand scheme of the time it's not no and like the history of earth yeah (laughs) it's very recent just human history is fairly recent yeah (laughs) all pretty close 100 (laughs) percent potatoes were still pretty unknown at europe in this time 
which is why pierogies with cheese or groats <laughs> became so like impressionable upon hyacinth and groats are apparently like cold kernels of various cereal grains like oat wheat rye barley and yeah had to look up what groats were when i read that i was like wait what cheese yeah. and groats i'm on did they misspell goat <laughs> <laughs> nope nope they mean groats yeah. grains and oats <laughs> yeah it's just a grain cheesy grains cheesy which grains. i mean if you put cheese on anything and wrap it up in some dough it's probably pretty good yeah it does sound good i feel like we could give it a try yeah i'm open to groats. some groat pierogies <laughs> <sighs> but another version of the legend also says that uh there was a famine caused by raids and the saint fed the poor with pierogi that he had made himself, which also may have given him that moniker, the St. Hyacinth of Pierogi. Mm -hmm. Makes total sense. Yes. <laughs> Feed the masses. The first written pierogi recipes come from Compendium Furculorum, <laughs> a book published in 1682. It was the first Polish cookbook and supposedly they obviously didn't have, of course, that potato. So inside of these ones was supposedly chopped kidneys, veal fat, greens, and nutmeg. Nutmeg seems like such a weird like addition in that mix. A but little maybe bit. It really a little few it. gratings of nutmeg, though, sometimes makes some things like pop. Yeah. It, it's got a... It's got magical qualities. I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was a little strange too, but hey. Yeah, a lot of organ meats, I feel like, back in the day, for sure, were inside those things. Yeah. I mean, usually pierogies, too, are always, like, drenched in butter. And mm -hmm. so I feel like that, like, animal fat, like, that was like, okay, that makes total sense yeah. why there would kind of be that in there, too, to kind of totally. give it that rich richness. They're also traditionally considered a peasant food, which I think is also probably why it's a lot of those, like, organ meats and fats and mm -hmm. stuff, because it's Definitely. what you have around. Um, but pierogi eventually gained a lot of popularity and spread throughout all social classes, including nobility. Cookbooks from the 17th century often describe pierogi as like a staple of the Polish diet. And each holiday kind of have its own special kind of pierogi created for it. They'd be different shapes, fillings, or even cooking methods. So important events like weddings would have pierogi kurniki, which was a baked pie filled with chicken, mm -hmm. versus there were also certain types for mornings or wakes. And some were even specific for, like, the caroling season in January, <laughs> which I love. Yeah, random. <laughs> but baked pierogi were typical and popular around Christmas, and that's kind of what it was for our family. Definitely it was a Christmas dish, Always. especially in the East. Mm -hmm. Sweet pierogies are usually served with sour cream mixed with sugar, and then savory often are served with bacon fat and bacon bits, which is something that we've kind of just started doing mm -hmm. in more recent years is adding, like, different toppings and... Um, accoutrement but we definitely need to try I feel like the sweet ones with maybe mixing in that sugar I feel yeah, like yeah I feel like one year we did it with like brown sugar and it was definitely yeah. good it kind of tastes like icing when you mix sour cream with brown sugar it's mm -hmm. very it's different I've had people use that as like a fruit topping before too which is kind totally. of interesting so we definitely got to get into that but they traditionally serve two types of pierogies for Christmas Eve supper, and one is usually filled with sauerkraut and dried mushrooms, and then another one, which has, is called small ushka, which are little ears, and that one kind of almost looks like a little popat ravioli <laughs> that is filled with, yeah, mushrooms, forest mushrooms, and, and sometimes minced meat. So that's one that I've we've never done in our family, and I'm really kind of interested in kind of researching some of these other like Polish traditional ones. Yeah, because there's also another version that's served in a clear barsh, which is basically like Polish uh, beet soup that's similar to borscht, 
So I want to try that. And then there's also one that's called Lazy Pierogi, which basically seems like gnocchi. Um, It's sort of like Mm. a dumpling made with cork, eggs, and flour, and boiled in lightly salted water. And that's what they kind of looked like when I saw some pictures. But sometimes they'll also frequently serve those with sour cream or bespeckled with butter, um, fried breadcrumbs, or Mm. as well as with the sugar and cinnamon if you're going for more like a a sweet version. Man, all of that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. I would definitely make those. Yeah. (laughs) They still seem like so much work, though, too. Yeah, a lazy lazy Mm -hmm. pierogi. No such thing. (laughs) No such thing. Any sort of dumpling is not, there can't be a lazy version. <laughs> Pierogi were brought to the U.S. and Canada by Central and Eastern European immigrants, as one would imagine. They were particularly common in areas with a large Polish or Ukrainian population. So places like Cleveland, Chicago, New York, um, as well as some New Jersey suburbs were really great places to find them. Pierogi were also a first family food among immigrants, as well as being served in a lot of ethnic restaurants at the time. And pierogi in in America initially came from Cleveland, Ohio, when the first documented sale of pierogi was made at the Martin House Tavern in Cleveland in 1928. It's crazy that's like the first time they started being sold like commercially and kind of transformed from being just something eaten around like a family table to something served in a restaurant. Yeah. I'm like trying to think of other dishes that kind of have made that leap. But I mean, like any traditional like cultural food like that kind of had to bridge that gap of just becoming like a standard American like yeah. staple like served in a restaurant I, love, I just love thinking about that yeah it's it was very interesting to think of mm-hmm. so it also strangely enjoyed a brief popularity as a sports food when Paula <laughs> Newby Fraser adopted them as her food of choice for the biking portion of the 1989 Hawaiian Ironman triathlon so, so random I when I read that fact like I just ran the marathon in Hawaii and like to read that someone was eating pierogi or just like had like a satchel of pierogi on her bike with her. Like, can is that... you imagine eating pierogi <laughs> while you're doing some sort no, of No, they're race? very heavy and like buttery normally. And so like, dense. Yeah, very dense. I mean, like calorie rich though. Like I, yeah. I get, and like, it's kind of like that same thing with like, it's a hand pie, super easy to consume while you're on the move. True. Kind of similar to how the UP miners were eating, you know? <laughs> True. I feel like that's the same kind of idea. Okay. Um, I see you. With the pasty, you know? <laughs> So hand pies. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll buy it. But for more than a decade afterwards, Mrs. T's, which is the largest American pierogi manufacturer, you've probably seen those in the frozen food aisle. That's the only brand I can think of that comes to mind when I yeah. think of store-bought pierogies. And they are pretty good. They are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she actually sponsored triathlons and some pro- professional triathletes and, and like fun runs around the country were also sponsored then by Mrs. T's pierogies. Love that. So for many triathletes, pierogies represented an alternative to pasta as a way to boost their carbohydrate intake, which is like, I never thought about that. Could have been eating yeah. those before my race. The whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you would have run faster. Maybe I would have. I, I wish I Fueled did. Fueled by pierogi. <laughs> <laughs> Pierogi consumption in the U.S. is largely concentrated in a region dubbed the pierogi pocket, which I love. Yeah. (laughs) And that's an area that includes New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Chicago, Detroit, and parts of the Midwest and southern New England, which accounts for 68% of annual U.S. pierogi consumption. That's pretty nuts. Pretty insane. Yeah. One small area is eating like all of of it. (laughs) (laughs) You West Coasters are... No. Yeah. West Coasters are missing out. Yeah. Oh, my God. And those southern people, too. You don't know. You don't even know. They would really enjoy it, I feel like, I feel like they would, too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Canada actually has a large Polish population, as well as Ukrainian population, too. And the pierogies are also super common throughout that country, as well. So their market is actually second only to that of the U.S. market, uh, for 
which obviously is a destination of choice for the majority of like Central and Eastern European immigrants that came um, during World War II. So it's crazy again to think about how those changes and world wars like shaped our country and the mm-hmm. way like food flowed and culture flowed and all that kind of stuff. Hundred percent. Yeah, it completely changed the landscape. Mm-hmm. Potato and cheese or sauerkraut versions are usually served with some or all of the following ingredients being butter or oil, sour cream, most typical, like we mentioned, Mm -hmm. fried onions, which sounds great. I would totally be down to put that on. Yeah. Fried bacon or kielbasa. Yum. That'd be really good with a lot of, like, especially the sauerkraut ones, serve it with some sausage. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't done that one. Yeah. Like Polish sausage is so also like really big in our family. We yeah. usually have that on a lot of holidays, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, we don't really eat that with pierogi. Poor man's pierogi is yeah. like sauerkraut and noodles and kielbasa basically, mm-hmm. and that's delicious. Yeah, but different. There's also a creamy mushroom sauce that is an option too, which is less common, but it's something that also sounds really good to me. I, as I have said, I always love like a good gravy, and mm. that's basically a vegan gravy, baby. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that would be so good on like yeah. some potato ones. And like Ooh. we've started adding scallions or like chives on top of them, or like mixing with the sour cream, and like that is also legendary. So like that with like a dollop of that on top and some scallions, or yeah, fuego. Oof. We're always looking for ways. To- yeah, dress it up, Dra- <laughs> put some sauce on it, dredge it in some sauce. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Some ethnic kitchens will also deep fry pierogies, mm-hmm. uh, which, yes, please. Dessert and main course dishes can also be served this way. Dang, deep fried. Mm-hmm. Mm. We've had so many delicious uh, variations that we've, we've really started playing with it more in the last few years that we've been so into food, I feel like. So we've just done fun ones that we just throw in the mix. So I know we've done like a chocolate chip banana. That was really good. Oh, um, we've done... We did a like sausage and peppers with like vegan sausages last year and kind of had like a marinara sauce kind of with them, which was actually really good that too. That was amazing. Yeah. This year we also did a cheese and poblano peppers one. Oh my God. That one was bomb. It was so it good. It was so good. We did tacos for Christmas dinner. Yeah. And, especially uh, fried with that one. It was, it was like kind of like an empanada. 100%. Which was, yeah, it was heavenly. So good. Yeah, we've had a lot of like really fun ideas that we kind of just keep adding to the list. There was a year that we ended up accidentally using like rye flour with the sauerkraut and it was really good, but we've never been able to recreate it. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Once you like make it once, it's hard to make it the same again unless Mm -hmm. you, we don't often write down what we're doing. Yeah, it's kind of all just a a In the moment. (laughs) But we've done apple ones that taste like apple pie. We tried strawberry chocolate this year, but they still did not beat the banana chocolate. Yeah. This, we there's do, something about the strawberries. I think it's, I don't know. It's not. The strawberries weren't sweet that we used to. They yeah, just weren't good strawberries. It's yeah. out of season at the time when we're making them at Christmas. So it's just not a, an, an obvious choice, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but the plumber always super good. Yeah. We've done blueberry. Uh, we've tried to do a s'mores one with marshmallows and chocolate chips and like a graham cracker crumble, mm. which we should probably try to do that one again. Yeah. That one was not bad. We did like a taco one that had like beans and kind of like fajita, like mixed veggies totally. inside that was of it. That pretty good. That one was pretty good too. Yeah, we've just been trying to have more fun with it in general, but it's fun to just get to experiment with that. I think that's kind of the fun of having a tradition is mm-hmm. we're always going to make them, mm-hmm. you know, and that that is the tradition. Getting together, doing this for a specific holiday. Um, and there are ones that are staples that we'll always probably make, you know, like kraut yeah. and potato and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I love that it's not a static tradition. And I think yeah. that's the important part to remember about traditions is it's about being together and building mm-hmm. those memories together and having something to look back upon. But 
it's not meant to be this thing that never changed. Yeah. You know, like it's supposed to evolve with you and, and it's fun to get to experiment together mm-hmm. and be like, oh, I loved that. Or, whoa, that one was terrible. We need to <laughs> reworkshop yeah. that and like keep trying to make things better and better. Yeah. I think after talking with mom too, like we still haven't perfected some of the classics and it's, mm-hmm. it's part of, part of me wants to go back to some of like the straight up traditional Polish classics and try to like really just nail down and make those ones even better than they were before. Yeah. So like this year, it's a little bit less about the crazy ones and maybe just like throwing in some of those like caramelized onions and yeah. like adding to the to the repertoire like that borscht or like one of the ones that are the little ears, you know. Yeah. So. I thought it was funny too to, when she was mentioning about like how they didn't really experiment with flavors before, but they did change techniques and how mm-hmm. new tools and things like that really come into play and often will change yeah. the process and what you're doing. And I think it'll be interesting to see how that continues to evolve and, and change the process in our family. Yeah. What other technology can advance mm-hmm. us further? Exactly. <laughs> I'm looking for a crazy, I don't know, cutout or roller or something. Yeah. <laughs> Revolutionize this shit. <laughs> real. Well, on that note, I think it's time for cheers. Hell yeah. I think it's to keeping those cultural traditions alive and carrying on those familiar recipes. So I'm excited to see what the future holds. Yeah. Side note, if you were listening to the interview earlier, Mugger refers to our grandmother. It's a loving nickname we had for her. FYI. In case you were curious. Just in case. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.